0: You can turn to Genesis chapter one, but I'm going to start in Romans chapter 11, verse 36, and we hit this last week, but I just want to recap it because it's going to tie in to everything that we're going to talk about over the next several weeks. So Romans chapter 11, verse 36, this was the last verse in chapter 11. It says this, and I've got it on the screen. It says, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Now, if you were here last week, I highlighted the fact that there's three prepositions in this sentence that are so important for us. And I heard a pastor recently say that we shouldn't hang our whole theology on a preposition. I'm like, I do. I hang everything on a preposition. If you know me, if you've been around here, I love prepositions and I'm not necessarily disagreeing with that pastor because he was making a point about a specific thing. But my point is prepositions are important. They're not just kind of meaningless words. And and, and so I always want to point this out to you. And there's three in this sentence that he says. And I told you last week, again, I'm just going to recap quickly. The first one is from, and that's a preposition of source. And so Paul is saying that everything is from God. All things are from God. And so there's nothing that has been made that was not made by God. That's what John says in his gospel in John chapter one, that anything that's in the made category is made by God. And Jesus himself is not in the made category because Jesus is God. And so all things were made from him. He's the source. The second thing that he says there is all things are through him. That's a preposition of means. And what that means is not only is he the source of it, but how it comes to us is through him as well. And so God is not a deistic God, which that's people who believe that God made it like a clock and then he just stepped back and now it's just going on its own. No, the Bible says all over the Bible, vehemently denies that, that God is intimately involved in the working of the things that he made. So it's not just from him, it's through him. And that's gonna be important for what we're gonna talk about in Genesis as well. And then the last one is, it's all going back to him. That's a preposition of direction. So it's from him, through him, that's the means to him. And so I told you last week, there's a certain flow to what God is doing. It's originated from him and it's going out and it's coming back to him. And so there's a flow to that. And for us, we wanna be in on that flow. We want to have the right flow. We wanna make sure that our life is in sync with the flow of God. And that's what I want us to understand. All right, so now turn to Genesis chapter one, if you haven't already, starting in verse 26. And then, like I said, we're just going to do 26, 27, and 28. The writer of Genesis, which we believe to be Moses, says this, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. That's apparently where TLC got their title of their song, Creep. If you don't know what that is, you missed the best decade of music, all right? All right, back to this. But here's the point, all right? It starts off, verse 26 starts off with the word then. Now then is a conjunction, Again, another word that's very important that doesn't get a lot of love a lot of time. But conjunctions are important because we know the song, conjunction, junction. What's your function, function, right? Yes, because they have a certain function. Now, here's why I'm highlighting this word then. If you were to read all in chapter one, up until this point, the main conjunction that the writer uses is the conjunction and, So the Bible says in Genesis 1 that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then it goes on to say, and he said, let there be, and let there be, and let there be all the way down. Then you get to verse 26 and he uses a different conjunction. He uses the word then. Now, as you're reading this, it's meant to jump off the page at you and call your attention to that what he's about to do next is different from what he has already done. Because the other ones are continuations, just and this and and this and and this and and this and this. And then he did this. And the biggest difference that the then highlights is the other phrases says that God said, and let there be, and let there be. And he's referencing everything that he created, the heavens, the stars, all the galaxies, all the universe, all those things that we just get amazed by. And we're like, oh, there must be intelligent, alien life out there. No, because God just made it to show us how big he is. And so he just made it for us to, and again, I always joke about this. It's not like it was hard for him to make. He just said, and let it be. And it was. But we're to look at that and think, wow, if the God who made this made this, how big is he? And so all of that, he just does it by speaking it into existence and let it be and let it be and let it be and let it be. And it was and it was and it was. And then you get to 26 and then it says, and then God said, let us make. So I want to highlight that because before it was let it be. Now it's let us make. So a couple things to point out here. First, he says, let us. Well, who's the us? Most people believe this is a reference to the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, which I think that's a fine interpretation. That's what I believe for a long time. And, and, and then there's other people that believe that this may be a reference to the divine heavenly counsel. So other spiritual beings that God had created. We think of angels where he's telling them, let us do that. Either way, I think it's fine. But the point is now... He's having a conversation with them about what he's about to do. Instead of before, it just says, and he said this, and he said this, and he said this. Now it says, and then, or then God said, let us make. And here's what I want you to see. What he's about to make is different from what he made. What he's about to make is different because this that he's about to make is made in his image, in his image. This is what's called the Imago Dei, which means the image of God. We are made in his image. We are made to image him, to be like him, to look like him, to act like him. And so this creation is different because this creation is to mirror him. And so that is why the conjunction then is used to highlight, hey, this one is different. And so there's two phrases I want us to see here. First one, let us make, and then look back at it, it says, make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have. So these two things, let us make, let them have. Now, these two things are so important because it gets back to the prepositions that we were talking about earlier. Notice that there's nothing that they can have that he didn't first make. And that's what we talk about the preposition of source. And here's what you and I need to understand. Anything that we have, we have because God first made. There's nothing that we have that God didn't make. So God is the source. He's the source of all that was made. How do we know that? Because We ourselves have ourselves because he made us. And so you are, this is what I love about uh, what Paul says in Ephesians, you are his handiwork. You are his masterpiece. You are the work of his hands. So the whole reason you have life is because God decided to let us make. So let us make, let them have. And so God is the preposition of source. You see that. So where does Paul get his theology? He gets his theology where we should get ours from the Old Testament. He sees this in Genesis and he says, listen, all things are from God. The only reason why we have anything is because God said, let us make. There's another thing I want to point out here. Connect these two. Not only does he say, let us make, but he emphasizes, let them have But what is it that he says, let them have? Let them have dominion. Let them have dominion. Now this word here, dominion, if you were to type it into any dictionary or search or whatever, it means to manage something or to have authority over something. But almost every reference to the word And even the biblical word here in Hebrew, most of the references to the word dominion are negative because most people take their authority that they've been given and they use it to dominate because the word dominate comes from dominion. Now, most of us want our teams on Saturdays and Sundays to dominate the other team. All right. So you, you know what I'm talking about when I use the word. But that's the action. But here's what I want you to see. It's not the action that God is referring to here. It's the authority to act. And here's what's so important. Because in, in this phrase, we see the other preposition, preposition from Romans eleven thirty six. He says it's from him and it's through him. So that is the preposition of means that we talked about earlier. And so here's what you wanna see is that everything that we have comes from God, but then what he does with that is then he gives us the ability, it's through him to now exercise authority over what he made. And so the means through which God works is through us. He gives us the authority to have dominion over what he made. And the reason why this is so important is if we misunderstand this fact, then we will get it wrong just like Adam and Eve did. And this is where most people, and there I would say, I would say honestly the root of all sin. Most people say the root of all sin is pride and I'm not disagreeing with that. But I would say pride is still a symptom because the root of it is misunderstanding authority. Pride comes from misplaced authority, thinking that you have something that you earned instead of realizing you had it derivatively. And here's what I mean by that. The word derivative means it derived, which means, just think of the word arrived. So it came to you from somebody else. And here's where we make the mistake. You want to know why Adam and Eve sinned? They sinned because you and I sinned. The same reason why you and I sinned. We don't want someone else above us telling us what to do. So the root of all sin isn't pride as much as it is an authority problem. Right? I mean, isn't that true? You and I don't want somebody else telling us what to do. That's the problem with us. And I'm with you. I admit it. I'm with you. If my wife or my kids or somebody else tells me what to do, my natural gut reaction is, who are you, sucker? Right? And think about it. When Satan comes, and if you know the rest of the Genesis story, when Satan comes and he appeals to Adam and Eve, what does he appeal to? He appeals to their ability to usurp God's authority. Oh, I know he said it. But he didn't mean it because he knows that you'll be like him. So the real temptation was to be their own God, to be their own authority. And so they misunderstood that the dominion itself was given to them. Let them have. It doesn't say let them own, let them earn. And this is where we, again, all this applies to our church and the vision of multiply. What we need to understand is God is the one who calls the shots. And when God said, let us make, and then he said, let them have, the thing that he said for us to have is authority. And so therefore our authority is only because God has let us have it. He gave it, he can take it away. But it's important to understand this because if you and I misunderstand authority, then we will abuse it. We will use the authority for the wrong things. And this is where the third preposition comes in. We won't use the authority that God gives us as a means to make everything go back to him. We will use the authority that God gives us and then make everything go back to us. And the blessing of God that he gives to us will stop with us instead of going through us to bless others. And that was the whole point. Look at verse 27 and 28. It says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now look at verse 28. And God blessed them. God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over everything that moves on the earth. So God gave them this authority. He let them have it after he made them and he made them in a position of authority. He let them have that. And then he did two things. And this, these two things I wanna focus on. He blessed them. And he said to them, he blessed them. And he said to them, now let's talk about those two things. Now, the first one, he blessed them. Now, in our materialistic age, whenever we hear the word blessing, what do we automatically think of? We think of money. We think of finances. We got all kinds of lingos for it today. I'm not even going to attempt to be cool. All right, I'm 41. I'm over that. So I'm not going to use the those, you know, hip words cuz I I think I know what they are but I'm not confident in them, all right? And so <laughs> but blessing blessing is so much more than financial. And I'm not saying it doesn't include that. I'm just saying there's a lot more to it than just that. And that is what we misunderstand again in our positions of authority. Here's just what the word means, and I'm gonna read several things to you, so follow me. To bless, it's primarily to bless verbally, to speak words of excellence about, to speak words invoking divine favor with the intent, now listen to this, I love this, with the intent that the object will have favorable circumstances now and at a future time. Bless, fill with power, to declare a person endowed with power for success, prosperity, fertility, Now listen to this one. Blessing means to delight in something, to wish you well, but also to commit to make sure you achieve that good. So when God created them, gave them the position of authority, he blessed them, which means he spoke over them words of blessing. This is God saying to Adam and Eve, I approve of you. This is God all throughout the creation narrative when it says it was good, it was good, it was good. After man and woman, he says it was very good. In that statement of him saying it is very good is the blessing. And so the first thing I want you to understand is he blessed them. And the blessing of God is what you and I so desperately want. It's what you and I so desperately need because God created us With the need for him to bless us. But here's what happens we start to think that somebody else can provide the blessing for us that only God can. We start to think that somebody else, because you want to know what blessing really means? At the end of the day, blessing really means I approve of you, it's approval. So let me ask you a question. Again, you don't have to answer this, but you'll probably groan a little. How many bad decisions have you made in your life because you were doing it to try to impress somebody and get their approval? you like, my whole life? I know, that's why I said you didn't have to answer it. We don't have time to get through all the things that you have done just to get somebody's approval. But here's what I'm trying to get you to see. You're not crazy because you crave that. You're not crazy All right. You're not crazy because you crave somebody's blessing. You're only crazy if you think someone other than God can give it to you. That's where the craziness comes in. I mean, I used to joke when I was a student pastor forever with boys and boys and girls, you know, teenagers. I said, you really think a teenage boy is going to make you feel better about yourself? Really? Look at him. I mean, the dude stinks and makes weird noises. You want the approval of that? Now, again, I was a teenage boy. I'm not down. I'm just, I mean, I'm making a point here. But but again, how much of our childhood and adulthood are we still seeking the approval of others? Paul said in Galatians 1.10, what am I doing? Doing it by seeking the approval of men or of God. And so the blessing of God is so much more than financial. The blessing of God is God saying to you what your heart desperately needs to hear, which is, I approve. But how does that come? There's only one way that can come. When Jesus started his earthly ministry, he got baptized at the beginning to fulfill the commandments. And when he came out of the water with John the Baptist baptizing him, the Bible depicts this scene of the Holy Spirit descending on Jesus like a dove. You see the Trinity, you see the Son, you see the Spirit, and then the Father speaks, and here's what the Father says. And if you know the story, you know what I'm about to say. This is my Son, with whom I am well, what? Pleased. Pleased. Listen, my friends, those are the words that every single one of us are so desperate for God to say this is my daughter. This is my son with whom I am well pleased. But here's the problem. We're not Jesus. And we will never be Jesus. We will never live up to the perfection that Jesus lived to. But here's the good news. God's not asking you to Jesus didn't come just to give us an example of how to live. Jesus came to be our substitution for living. Jesus came because he knew he would obey perfectly. And so when God approved of him, he is saying, I approve of him because he's perfect and he will not sin and so when he did not sin, he has the approval of God, but in the irony of ironies, he died as a sinner. Why? Because he took our place and he substituted. And here's what we don't often understand. We, we get half the gospel because we know that our sins went on to him, but the other half we miss, his approval came to us. So our disapproval, our sin went to him and his approval of God, his righteousness comes to us. So the only way for us now to hear the words, this is my daughter, this is my son in whom I am well pleased is for us to be in Christ because he's the only one who heard it and he lived it perfectly. So here's what I'm saying to you the approval and blessing of God is available for you to have. It's available for you to have. Not only in the same way that Adam and Eve had it prior to sin, but I would dare say in a better way. Because they had it and hadn't sinned yet, but you can have it even though you did sin. And so what that means is, Right now, if your heart is desperately seeking the approval of the one of whom you need it more than anybody, it doesn't matter how you've sinned. It doesn't matter what you've done to not earn it, but you can have it. So That's the first thing I want you to see. So when we talk about the blessing of God, we're talking about divine favor here. And again, as an indictment on us, we just think materially, but God wants us to prosper spiritually. He wants us to prosper emotionally. He will make us prosper physically when he returns, when we get new glorified bodies. And I don't think God has a problem with us prospering mentally, not mentally. I know he doesn't have a problem with us prospering mentally, but but financially, he doesn't have a problem with that. Here's where he has a problem, and this is the second part. He has a problem with any of that that he blesses us with if it just stays with us. Because there's a second thing that he did. He didn't just bless them. He said to them. So don't miss this. He blessed them, and then he commanded them on what to do with the blessing. He blessed them. And didn't say, now do it whatever you want. He blessed them and then he said to them. And inherent in what he said to them is the command. And what is the command? Be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. And here's the second part of what I want you to see. Not only does God want to bless you, but God wants you to be a conduit of his blessing so that he can bless others. Hear me, church, God never blesses you for it to stop with you. As I was typing this out in my sermon notes, the word processor that I was using, I typed the word conduit in. But for whatever reason, my word processor said I had misspelled it and I needed to replace it with another word. And I don't know if this ever happens to you, but sometimes my computer makes me feel like a complete idiot, because I know I spelled a word correctly, but it's saying it's misspelled. I'm like, no, it's it, I-T. I know I spelled that correctly. That was a joke. But it'll it'll try to tell me that this word's misspelled and try to replace it. And so I always now, just to make myself laugh, I'm like, all right, what word do you think this should be replaced with? You ever do this when you're speaking into something and it replaces it? We're like, oh, that's weird. Can't hit send on that one. It wanted to replace the word conduit to condiment. Now that, you know, can be, you know, something that you add in like ketchup and mayonnaise and that kind of stuff, fine. But it also can be, if you look up the definition of the word condiment, like a garnish. It's like when people put, um, uh, what is that word? The Cilantro. God, thank you. I'm trying to, I'm having repression thoughts. I'm it's like when people put cilantro on perfectly made guacamole at the end. Like, you just ruined it. <laughs> and if you do that, God bless you, right? Like, a condiment is like, you know, when, when you have your plate, it's, it's the garnish they put on at the end to make it look pretty. It's, a, it's the little, you know, thing on the side. You're like, why is that there? I don't need that. I'm not going to eat that. Why'd you put it on my plate? Just to make it look pretty. And then I started thinking, again, this is what I do when I'm writing sermons. And so I started thinking, okay, it changed the word from conduit to condiment. That's weird. And then it hit me. Oh, but that's how a lot of people see themselves. A lot of people see themselves as a conduit instead of a conduit. They see themselves as the last thing God put on as the eye candy, not as a conduit. Let me give you the definition of conduit if you haven't caught on yet. A conduit, listen, is a channel for conveying water or a person or organization that acts as a channel for the transmission of something. So And like, you know, electricians, when they install wires, they use conduit and the conduit is not there for itself. It's there to be a channel for something else. And here's when I thought most believers take the blessing of God and use it to highlight themselves as the add on at the end to make it look better instead of a conduit to make someone else look better. And then I thought, all right, Lord, maybe that was you correcting my word processor. Maybe it wasn't the devil. All right. But here's my point. Does God want to bless you with every spiritual blessing? Yes and amen. Paul said that in Ephesians 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. All the promises of God are a yes in Christ. God has so much more for you in Christ. He wants to bless you with every spiritual, mental, physical, emotional blessing but he doesn't want to do it just for it to terminate on you. He also is going to command you on what you are to do with that blessing. And here's what he said to them. He blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. And very simply, we'll get into this more next week, but very simply what we need to understand is the blessing of God was meant to flow through us to somebody else and when it flows to somebody else then that is flowing back to god because jesus himself said this when you love your neighbor when you did it for the least of these you did it to me so going back to romans 11:36 from him through him to him there's a flow do you see it now there's a flow it comes from him He made it, he blessed it, and he wants it to go a certain direction. And what is that direction? He wants it to go through us to be fruitful and multiply into others. That is very simply what you see here in Genesis. And so here's all I'm saying for us as a church. For us as a church, we'll talk specifically about how this applies to us as a people But it first has to apply to us as a person. God wants to bless your life, man. He has so much more for you. But he has it for you because he wants it to go through you to others. And here's the amazing part. And and I say this all the time, but nobody in seminary told me how fun this was. No one in seminary told me how fun it was for God to not only bless my life, but then through my life be a blessing to others. Now, one of the greatest joys of my life is to see my daughter and my son to know the approval of their heavenly father and to know that I played and my wife played and our small group leaders played a part in them. Knowing that, knowing that blessing makes me so much more happy than even when the blessing first came to me because it came to me. But if it ends to me, then I'm costing myself the joy that God has for me by not letting it flow through me. And how often we miss this. And here's, I'm just trying to point to you from the very beginning, God said, this is how it works. And then when he calls Abram, he says, I'm gonna bless you to be a blessing for all the nations. And so two things, church, and then we're done. I want you to understand first and foremost, God wants to bless you. In Christ, he has approval waiting for you and you can receive it. You can hear the words of God say to you, I'm well pleased if you are in Christ. And so there's some of us here today that you've never heard that. You don't know that. And you've been seeking approval from every other place. From, you've been looking for love in all the wrong places. And what I'm telling you is none of those people made you. So how can someone who didn't make you know how to fill you? But your maker wants to bless you. He delights in it. He wants you to have. He doesn't have a problem with you having. He just has a problem with you keeping. And that's the second part. And and this is where it shows. One of the primary ways we show that we misunderstand the blessing of God is when we... When we use the blessing of God to elevate ourselves. I mean, didn't you learn this in middle school? That the people who were always tearing other people down were the smallest ones among you. I mean, think back. And if you can't think about of a person, maybe it was you. But we know this. The bullies are the weakest ones. The ones who have to tear everybody down, why do kids tear down other kids because they're not secure in themselves? And why are they not secure in themselves? Because they don't know the approval of their heavenly father. So here's what I'm trying to show you. The way that you show that you have the approval of God, you build others up. You use your life to be a blessing. And so, if you're building others up and you're blessing others and you're humbling yourself and you're exalting others, then you show how secure you are in the fact that your Father loves you. Let me say it to you like this if you can't give yourself away, then you don't know how much He's given for you. But it's in the giving of yourself away you show, man, I'm secure. And we see this, the people in leadership positions who use their leadership for everybody else to bless them. That's a bad leader, isn't it? A spouse who manipulates their spouse to bless them instead of being a blessing to their spouse. This applies to marriage. This applies to parenting. This applies to business. This applies to everything in our life. I show that I understand blessing when I can bless. But when I'm tearing other people down and I'm holding my blessings, you know what I'm showing? I don't think God has enough. If I give some to you, what about me? Can I just let you in a little secret? God made the world out of nothing. So he's got enough to bless you and them. How do I know that? Because he can make more out of nothing. Man, what God can get to you, through you, he'll give to you. And, and we show this when we use our positions of power and authority and dominion to flip the pyramid like Jesus did and give our lives away to be a blessing to the world. This is why when people look at Jesus, they see and they know, man, no one was like him because no one had the power that he had and yet no one sacrificed themselves so much. Jesus used the blessing that he got from his father and on the cross, he gave it to all of us. And that's the flow, man. And the Bible says he did it for the joy that was set before him. So apparently Jesus was right when he said it is more, it's more blank to give than receive. What is it? Well, Hold on, I don't think, no, no, no. It's more what? Mm. I don't think y'all know. The answer is blessed. It's more blessed to give than to receive, because in my giving, I show how much I understand I've received. So man, either way, more joy is being offered for you today. You can receive the approval of God and be blessed, or you can give the approval of God to others and be blessed in their blessing. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that not only you made us, but you blessed us. And even when our first parents, Adam and Eve, used your blessing to elevate themselves and brought sin into the world and fractured everything, you sent your son who had your approval who perfectly obeyed, who was blessed, and he reversed the curse. He took the punishment of us using our blessings on ourselves and gave away his blessing to us. He granted divine favor to us through his sacrifice. And so, God, I pray right now, if there's anybody here or listening that has not received, that does not have that, that does not have the blessing, that doesn't know that in Christ you approve of them. And that if they're simply willing to confess their need, then they can receive the blessing and be saved. So I pray right now, God, you would open their eyes to see the truth. No one looking around or talking here as we close, but if you've never trusted Jesus and received the blessing, you've never heard God say to you in Christ, you're my son, you're my daughter. And if you're in Christ, I'm well pleased with you. then right there where you are, you can trust him and receive that today. You know, by looking around or talking as we close, if you wanna trust Christ, I'm just gonna lead you in a simple confession so that you can receive it. We just call it prayer. So you can pray with me, not out loud, and it goes like this. Say, Father, thank you for loving me that you sent your son, Jesus, to die in my place. For my sin so that I could receive his blessing and be saved so I confess my sins I'm trusting Christ would you bless me again nobody looking around or talking but if you just pray to trust Christ for the first time very simply we want to know about that so we just lift your hand up so we can see that Thank you. we got men and women walking around, going to put a gift in your hand, which is a Bible from us and some simple next steps we would love for you to have. But then those of us who have been blessed, and maybe that was just you, you have been blessed. You do have the approval of God. The challenge for all of us is not only to receive the blessing, but to do with the blessing what God commands. Because if we received it, then we don't have authority over it. And the greatest problem with our life is we think it's our life. We think it's our money, our time, our stuff. We don't have anything that he didn't make and give us. And so if he gave it, we received it, he gets to direct it. But the amazing thing is if we listen to him and use our time and our talents and our treasures in the way that he says, we will actually have more blessing, not less. And so I wanna encourage you today, and maybe your prayer is simply, God bless me. It's okay, man, it is okay for, ask, for asking God to bless you. That's okay. God is not upset that we would ask him to bless us because he knows he is the one who blesses. But we should never ask for him to bless us if we're not intending to be a blessing. And so let's fix the flow in our life from him, through him, to him. Father, thank you so much for your blessings. And God, help us to be good stewards of them We don't wanna be like Adam and Eve who use their blessing as a way to deny you. We wanna use your blessings as a way to honor you, to be good stewards of them. We don't know how much time we have. And so God, we wanna be blessed to be a blessing. We wanna have the flow going in the right direction in our life. And so thank you for blessing us. And God, help us to be a blessing Because there are so many, there are billions of people in the world today that need to hear that in Christ you approve of them, that need to know the blessings that we have in Christ. So help our church to be a conduit of that. In Jesus' name, amen.